Welcome to this week's presentation with Scott Toole. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we gain insight from God's Word. Now, speaking from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, here's Pastor Toole. Well, we're in Luke chapter 20, verse number 9, if you want to follow along. Then began he to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and let it forth the husbandman, and went into a far country for a long time. Uh, and at the season, he sent a servant to the husbandmen uh, that they should give of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandman beat him and sent him away empty. Uh, keep in mind, he's just gotten off that Palm Sunday parade of praise. So many thought he would set up his millennial, millennial kingdom now. Uh, and Christ with this parable is 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 shattering paradigms. He's, he, he's trying to get rid of those preconceived paradigms. Hey, he's not coming now to be the king of that land. Now, uh, he's coming to be the suffering savior. And so he gives this picture, this parable uh, about uh, the owner uh, going away and, and then uh, having husbandmen. He stewards it out to them uh, and they're to work that, that property, work that, that field. Uh, and then when he comes to not take all of the, the spoil, all of the, the produce, but, but just some, uh, they beat, they beat uh, his servant, verse 11. Uh, and again, he sent another servant, and they beat him also uh, and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. Uh, and again, he sent a third and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then saith the Lord of the vineyard, what shall I do? I know what I would do. Uh, what shall I do? Uh, I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husbandmen saw them, uh, him, they reasoned among themselves saying, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard, killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard uh, do unto them. Uh, and he goes on with the story, basically trying to get them to understand, to get them to understand. Uh, I'm not here now to set up my kingdom. Uh, I will go away. I, I'm stewarding this out. Uh, and that co-op type relationship where uh, you give deference to the owner, boy, he's teaching them, them through this. Uh, and that question, uh, that question, uh, what shall I do? What shall I do? And I do think that all of us feel that story uh, the same way he meant for them to feel that story uh, in order for them to understand. Uh, he gets finished with it. And he says, uh, 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 what shall be done? What shall be done? And then he answers that question. Uh, and they cried out, may it never be so. Uh, may it never be so. Uh, and it's almost as if Christ says, uh, but that's exactly how it's going to be when you unjustly try me, falsely uh, accuse me, you shamefully uh, entreat me. Uh, and so that uh, parable that, that paralyzed their paradigm, we're looking at that, that story that shattered their sense of God. I, I want to look at a couple truths that we can learn. Uh, as they had to reframe their understanding, they really didn't get there. Uh, but I want to make sure that we reframe our understanding uh, of who God is. Put down point number one, if you will. Uh, write it down. In this parable, we see, number one, that God is good. God is good. Or put it this way, the benevolence of God. We see the benevolence of God. Verse 9. Then began he to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and let it forth to husbandmen. 
hey, keep in mind, God owns everything, and he allows us to get in on the blessing. Uh, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but he's good to let us be stewards of the earth and the fullness thereof to get in on the blessing. God in his goodness, God's good, in his goodness he does that. Uh, At creation in Genesis chapter 1, you go through the whole chapter and see, uh, he said, let there be light, and he saw that there was light, and God saw that it was good. Uh, And he does it in so many different ways. Uh, He said, let the land be separated from the water, and he saw that it was so, and God said that it was good. Uh, When uh, the earth bring forth uh, its vegetation, and God saw that it was good, greater light, rule the day, good, lesser light, rule the night, good, animal kingdom, and God saw that it was good. Genesis 1.31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And then in Genesis chapter 2, he formed man, breathed the breath of life in man, and says, that's good. But then he saw the singleness of man and said, it's not good that man should be alone. And of course, he created Eve, and we do know Proverbs says, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good, back on that good, the benevolence of God, a good thing. In fact, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness. We're challenged to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, the first thing we learn about God in this story, the owner, the owner that's allowed others to be a part of the blessing, is God is good. In fact, in your living room, in your dining room, where you're watching this, I'm going to say God is good. I want you to say all the time. You ready? God is good all the time. God is good all the time. If you're a quick typer, type it in the comments uh, and, and share that. Type it in the comments, share that. Hey, God is good all the time. And some may say, well, if God's good, then how could he allow this? Hey, he didn't allow that. In his goodness, he included the husbandmen. They're the ones that did that. They're the ones that caused that. And so God in his grace and in his goodness, boy, everything he created good, uh, and then in the goodness of his heart, he includes man, allows man to have a part in that blessing. You see, we're not the owner, he is. We're not the owner, he is, uh, and he is a benevolent, good uh, owner, creator. Thank the Lord for that. And so number one, he's trying to reframe their their view of who God is. God is good. Put down number two, God is patient. Uh, Not only do we see the benevolence of God, we also see the patience of God. The benevolence of God, he's good. The patience of God, he's patient. Uh, Look at verse number 10. Uh, And in that season, he sent a servant to the husbandman, that season when when the harvest was, the produce was gathered, and then he would take part, the owner would take part. Uh, That's the way that co-op program worked. Uh, He sent a servant to the husbandman that they should give him the fruit of the vineyard, but the husbandman beat him and sent him away empty. They beat him and sent him away empty. And again, he's good. He's patient. Uh, And again, he sent another servant and they beat him also and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. The first one, beaten, sent away. Second one, beaten, shamefully entreated, and then sent away. And again, 12, he sent a third, and they wounded him, not just beating him, not just shamefully entreating him. They wounded him also and cast him out. 
Why, these husbandmen that were feasting on the bounty of the owner are basically declaring their independence from him. Uh, we don't need him. Uh, he's not going to assert himself uh, on us. Well, cast him out, them out, the servant uh, uh, out. Uh, and it's interesting to me how he sent a servant and he was beaten. He sent a second servant beaten and shamed, sent a, a, a third servant and beaten, shamed, uh, and wounded, all of them uh, sent out. But can you imagine if you owned an apartment uh, and rent was due, they uh, hadn't paid rent, and so you sent a buddy over, he had time to run by uh, on his way, and he stopped by, uh, and he ran by, uh, and he didn't get the rent, the owners, are, or, or you're the owner, the renters ended up beating him. <laughs> can you imagine what you would do? I know what I would do. Uh, uh, but, but that's not our God. Our God sends a second servant, uh, a second servant. And so you decide to send a second person over to get the rent. Uh, now, just keep in mind, they beat the last guy. And so be careful as you're, uh, you may want to keep your distance. And, uh, and he was there. Uh, the second guy, they not only beat him, they shamefully entreated him, cast them both out. Uh, and again, twice, two servants, uh, again, uh, and now, again, think what you would do. Uh, this landlord, our, 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 our owner, God, by sending that third servant, beaten, shamefully entreated to the point of wounding, all of them cast out. Uh, would anybody agree that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering, uh, is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? He sent Sunday school teacher after after preacher, after pastor, after Christian friend at work, after godly parent, after a sibling who came to the Lord. Boy, he sends servant after servant after servant. You see, not only do we see in here that God is good, we also see here that God is patient. He's patient. We see the benevolence of God. He's good. We see the patience of God. He's patient. But then put down number three, if we will. Uh, notice not only God good, God patient, but God is loving. He's loving. But his heart, so huge. His love, so large. He's good. He's patient. He's loving. Uh, after the first servant beaten and sent away, after the second servant beaten, shamefully entreated, sent away, after that, that third servant beaten, shamefully entreated, wounded, uh, and then sent away, 13, then said the Lord of the vineyard, what shall I do? <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, he was patient after the first one. Uh, he was incredibly patient after the second one. Uh, unbelievably patient after the third one. Uh, 13. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, what shall I do? What shall I do? Uh, I will send my, here it is, beloved son. Uh, I will send my beloved son, it may be they will reverence him. Now keep in mind in the parable, he's saying it may be God knew absolutely that they wouldn't. Uh, in the parable, the, the, the landlord is saying it may be, the landowner is saying it may be, but God knew they absolutely wouldn't. And so uh, not only is he good, he's patient, he's loving. Uh, it may be that they will reverence him when they see him. Understand, if God were a God of judgment first, he wouldn't have sent a second servant. He would have sent fire and brimstone. 
If God were a God that leads out with judgment, uh, he wouldn't have sent a third servant. Uh, He would have sent fire uh, and brimstone uh, and judgment. But God is love. God is love and charity hopeth all things. Maybe the second one. Charity hopeth all things. Maybe the third one. Charity suffereth long. Uh, And the third one, uh, God does everything he can to possibly, to possibly withhold judgment. Well, he's done everything he can in order to, in order to bless and, uh, and include and to love and to patiently, to patiently show his goodness to us. Boy, the question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? The answer, HWLF, he would love first. He would love first. Boy, God is good all the time. God is good all the time. He would love first, but he sent servant after servant after servant, hoping, hoping they'll turn around, doing all he can to get them to turn to him. Then he sends a beloved son, a beloved son, Mark's account uh, in 12.6, having yet therefore one son, one beloved son, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, they will reverence my son, Luke, beloved son, Mark, only begotten son, uh, at the baptism of Jesus, when, when God's voice was heard, he said, this is my beloved. This is my beloved son uh, in whom I am well pleased, Mark. Uh, not just beloved, only begotten, only begotten. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten, beloved, much loved son, that whosoever believeth on him... And again, it wasn't, it may be, it may be. He came into his own and his own received him not. He's despised, rejected of men. Uh, We saw that on Good Friday. We saw that uh, in the garden. But the parable not only highlights the truth about God's character, uh, it also reveals the shocking truth uh, about the wickedness of our hearts. By the fact that we don't turn, we don't draw near, we don't run uh, into the loving arms of our, our heavenly God. Uh, it was a, uh, not only uh, not a uh, manslaughter, it was an accidental death. No, it was premeditated murder. Premeditated murder. Look, look at the premeditation, 13. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, what shall I do? I'll send my beloved son. It may be that they will reverence him when they see him. We're in 14. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, premeditation. They reasoned among themselves saying, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him that the inheritance, motive, motive, premeditation, motive, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Boy, he knew that they would do this uh, in this parable. And he knew they would do this when he sent his son to be born of a virgin. But God, but God who spared not his son, uh, he loves us. He's patient with us. He absolutely wants to, to, to pour out goodness and grace. I, I do love that passage, and you know I do. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, righteous man, good man, peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His love for us is amazing. His grace and his patience for us is irresistible 
by servant after servant beaten, shamefully entreated, wounded, and rejected. Uh, years ago, uh, the early days of computers, uh, the publishers of Time magazine were concerned about circulation. They designed a campaign where they would send out thousands of letters for an emotional appeal for, for subscriptions and, and, and resubscribing. And in the past, such mailings would be done manually at a great cost of human resources. IBM was the one that introduced their automated system to them, uh, and they installed it, uh, fully automated. It would write the letters, seal the envelopes, address the letters uh, to a selected database, stamp them, and send them to the postal system, uh, not one time with any human hand touching them. Uh, but as we know now, with computers, there's hiccups, uh, there's glitches after it was installed with much fanfare and uh, much anticipation. But with that hiccup, that glitch, a poor shepherd in Wyoming received 12,634 letters from Time Magazine appealing for him to subscribe to the magazine. Uh, bundles after bundles uh, on his front porch, letter uh, after letter. Uh, and the surprised sheep herder, shepherd said, who didn't ordinarily get much mail, uh, opened them and finally responded saying, I give up, I give up, but I'm willing to subscribe to your magazine. Hey, keep in mind, we're not talking about Time Magazine. Uh, we're not talking about a periodical. Uh, we're talking about the heart of our omnibenevolent God, our, our loving Heavenly Father, our good God, our patient God, our, our, our loving God. And God's written thousands of letters to you every morning you wake up, that you're able to wake up. The sun, the day, the blessings, everything he's poured out on you is God saying, boy, won't you come back? Won't you draw near? Boy, won't you strengthen that relationship with me. Could we with ink the ocean fill? Uh, and were the sky of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man ascribed by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. He loves you. He loves you. He's patient with you. He's patient with you. His goodness, his, his goodness includes us in all of the blessings that he has. Well, number one, quickly, God is good. We see that. Uh, number two, uh, God is patient. We see that. Uh, number three, God is love. We see that. But then lastly, number four, God is holy. God is holy. And I wouldn't say he's holy firstly. Uh, I would say he's holy foundationally foundationally, because when we wear out his love, his patience, his, his goodness, uh, we do see that foundational platform uh, of his holiness. 15, what therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come destroy these husbands and shall give the vineyard to others. Be it not so, they cried out. Be it never, uh, let it be so. He came to his own, his own received him not. But to as many as received him, they rejected him. And so now he's including others. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become. Uh, and so this, this church age, this, 
uh, age of grace, we as uh, uh, wild olive branches uh, are allowed to be engrafted into that, that olive tree. And of course, if the wild branches are grafted in, uh, of course, the natural branches will also, uh, if they stop killing his servants, and stop shamefully entreating his servant, uh, and start receiving uh, his son. God's holy if we don't accept his love. God's holy if we reject his patience. God's holy if we snub our nose at the goodness and faithfulness and love of God. And that's where it gets down into the stone which the builders rejected. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. Jewish tradition says in building Solomon's temple, one of the building superintendents saw an unusual stone that was delivered. Uh, because it was cut in an odd shape, unlike the other stones, he thought it flawed. He rolled it down into the Kidron Valley, and it lay untouched with moss growing over uh, until years later when the builder sent word to the quarry, that quarry that was off-site, that rock quarry uh, that was uh, uh, miles away, and, and he called for that, that cornerstone. The quarry master came and reported why I sent that uh, early on, one of the first things that, that, that I sent was that, that cornerstone. Uh, and, and, and he realized, that superintendent realized, boy, it must have been that stone that I rejected, that I, that I rolled down, that I, that I threw away, turned my back on. A search started, and they discovered that discarded stone in the valley of the, was, was actually the main cornerstone, covered debris, covered with moss. took many men working hard to raise that massive stone out of the valley, uh, and when they raised it uh, and set it, uh, it fit perfectly. It fit perfectly. And the end times, Jacob's trouble, the tribulation period, Boy, when everyone comes, when all Israel turns, when all eyes see and every knee bows, boy, it's not going to be servant rejected, uh, shamefully entreated, uh, wounded, uh, and then his much-loved son taking outside uh, and killed. Boy, that's when we're going to see that God's plan, uh, God's son, God's love, God's patience, God's goodness, the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. I, I hope that all of us will take a few minutes and pray then that reframing of our paradigm of who God is. Number one, God's good. Number two, God's patient. Number three, God is love. But then ultimately, foundationally, rejecting all of that, we'll find out that God is holy. And that is today's message. We invite you to tune in next time with Scott Toole as he presents another message from Rosedale Baptist Church. For more information about today's presentation or about the ministries of Rosedale Baptist Church, go online to rosedalebaptist.org. That's rosedalebaptist.org. Join us again next time as we study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse.